Found out 48 hours ago that I was going to be up here. <laughs> Pastor Barry actually wrote this sermon, so all the good parts, all glory to God, all the bad parts, talk to Barry. <clears throat> all right. Well, hey, we are still in our Embracing Identity series, and I want to begin uh, this sermon just like all the others, and let's go over our vision statement. All right, so our vision at BCC is to connect people in the Quad Cities to a transforming relationship with Jesus and to grow through finding belonging in a healthy, authentic church community that is known for how we serve one another and others to impact every generation beyond our lifetime. And simply put, we are to connect, grow, and serve. That's what we want to do. That's who we want to be. We want to connect. We are called to connect people in a life-transforming relationship with Jesus. But in, before we can do that, we have to make sure as individuals that we are connected and maintain a connection with Christ. In John 15, 4 through 5, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And this point is so important, he repeats himself and says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If I am not first connected to Jesus, I'm just another humanitarian running around this world trying to make it a better place under my own power. And that doesn't make me any difference because I'm not first connected to Christ. Jesus says, that's not enough. And if I'm being honest, I, I know that I'm not enough. And if you're being honest, you know that you're not enough. We need Jesus. I can't bear fruit without him. And bearing fruit is what attracts others to Jesus. And our connection to God rolls right into the second part of our vision, which is growth. And two weeks ago, Pastor Derek and I discussed spiritual growth and how the fruit of the Spirit isn't a to-do list, but evidence of your connection to God. And we looked at Galatians 5 and Romans 12. And let me read just uh, bits of, of those passages just to uh, jog our memories. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So remember, we're to walk by the Spirit. We're not supposed to chase fruit. We're not going to say, I need to be more loving. Walk by the Spirit, and from that, we will be fruitful. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, <clears throat> that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Allow yourselves to be led by the Spirit. That's a choice that we make. Don't be like everyone else, but be transformed through God's word. Be transformed through prayer. Be transformed through experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit. Grow because of your connection with God, because that's how he created us. He created us to be with him, but he also created us to be with others. When God created the world, and everything in it, he said, it is good except for one thing. It is not good for man to be alone. 
We learned that spiritual growth happens best in the context of relationships. And our vision is to help people find belonging in a healthy, authentic, Christ-centered church community. That's why we want to be a church of groups. And it's not, it's not that we want to say, if you're not in a connection group, your name is not in the book of life. That has nothing to do with it. It's not that you are extra spiritual if you come to church and you're a part of a connection group and you serve. Those are the ultra spirit. That's, that's not what we're saying. But, but it is so obvious throughout scripture that relationships are necessary for our spiritual growth. And grouping up uh, as we do, it's a great way to have one of those uh, strong relationship communities. And we're called to serve. We define serving both in the context of serving one another here within the church body at BCC and outside in the local community and throughout the world. And last week, Pastor uh, Derek read from uh, John 13 uh, of the account of Jesus washing his disciples' feet and his lesson on humility and service. And he said that serving is the overflow of the love of God that causes the Christ follower to deny oneself. We also looked at Romans 12 last week and learned that a heart that is in awe of the gospel of Jesus rejects entitlement and embraces opportunity. <clears throat> An opportunity to serve others is literally all around us. And I'm not just talking about here in our ministries and, and programs, it's in our homes. We can serve people in our neighborhoods. We can serve people at work. We can serve people at school. It's all around us. Serving out of an overflow of the love of God should be our lifestyle. It should be part of our identity. So this morning, we want to continue to look at how we can embrace our identity by uh, both as individuals, uh, as Christ followers, and as a community of believers here at BCC. And so we're going to take a look back at our five core values and see how our identity as a church is built on these biblical principles. Because it's, it's, it's our BCC big idea this week that we embrace our identity by living out our five core values. So we should really know those and take those to heart and really want to make those who we are. Now, we started this embracing identity series with two important questions. The first one, what do we want... What are we known for? And the second, what do we want to be known for? And if you remember back in September when we started the core values series, we asked the same two questions. What are we known for? And what do we want to be known for? And both, the answering both gave us our core values and our vision, and both are actually rooted in Acts 2. Now, we've read that a couple of times over the last... Uh, several weeks, but we're going to take a look at it again. Acts 2, 42 through 47 says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad 
and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And in this passage, we can see all three components of our vision, connect, grow, and serve. They're living it out. And we can see all five of our core values. So I wanna take the rest of the morning and we're gonna review the core values and we're gonna see how living out those values really helps us to embrace our identity. So core value number one, scripture is our starting point. Pastor Barry brought this message back in September and he taught us that scripture brings truth. And if we look at Jesus' prayer in John 17, John is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying for us. Jesus prays that we would be sanctified in truth. And sanctification means that we are set apart for a holy purpose. Jesus is praying that the truth might infiltrate our whole lives in such a way that we are constantly and consistently becoming more holy as we walk in a relationship with him. And remember, Jesus is not of this world, so as Christ followers, neither are we. We are sanctified. We are set apart by what? The truth. Scripture brings that truth. Scripture brings unity. And if we look throughout the New Testament letters, the writers are calling for the church to be unified. Being like-minded in the way we view Scripture creates unity amongst, among God's people. And when we look at scripture and when we major in the minors and we, or we, sorry, we major in the majors and minor in the minors, the way you say that is very important. When you major in the majors and minor in the minors, we realize how unified we really are. And scripture also brings life change. In Luke 24, it's recorded that two disciples after Jesus had died were walking on the road to Emmaus. And many of you know this story. Jesus appears to them and they don't know exactly who it is at first. And Jesus asks, so what's going on? Why are you so bummed out? And hey, have you been under a rock? Um, don't you know? So they told Jesus what had been happening. And Jesus explained all the Old Testament passages to them about what was supposed to happen to the Messiah. And later on in Luke 24, we read that they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? That day, their life was changed forever. Scripture brings life change. Scripture also brings opportunity. Scripture tells us to love one another Scripture tells us to take care of those in need. We learn in the Proverbs that we're supposed to speak up for those who don't have a voice. We learn that we're supposed to care and love our enemies. Scripture gives us a lot of opportunity when we're paying attention to it and directs us for how we ought to be treating others. Scripture brings opportunity. If scripture is our starting point, then it's going to lead us down a path of righteousness. It's core value number two. Relationships 
are our priority. God made us to live in relationship with his family, and I feel like we've already addressed that this morning. But he also gave us a relational mission. Jesus' words in Matthew 28 are very famous to many of us. He calls us to make disciples just as he made disciples. Don't worry. He's going to be there with us every step of the way. Now, relationships are our priority. If we aren't going to accept our God-given relational mission, then why would we ever call ourselves the church? Why would we bother meeting here every week? Why would you call yourself a disciple if we're not going to embrace the relational mission and prioritize relationships. We learned that discipleship happens best in the context of relationships. Now that sounds familiar because a few weeks ago and earlier we said that spiritual growth happens best in the context of relationships. And really those two sentences are the same thing. Because spiritual growth happens through our discipling, our student to teacher or our learning relationships we have with God and other disciples. I just started reading a book called Discipleship That Fits, and uh, I've really just started, but it, it outlines five key relationships that all disciples need. And you hear me a lot as the discipleship pastor talking about small groups, about our connection groups, but there are five relationships that really we need to pay attention to. So let me outline, uh, list those that is outlined in this book. So it calls for the public Relationship, And that's what we're doing this morning, the entire church gathering for celebration and refueling. There's the social relationship, and that's the extended households and networks living on mission, where friends and family are naturally enfolded into Jesus-centered community. What are you doing throughout your, your day, throughout your week? Are you socially relational with other disciples in your day-to-day? -day? That's very important. And then the personal relationship, and that's what we would call small groups, where, where we support and challenge one another on a regular basis. But then there's another level that's a little bit harder to get to, but we really ought to prioritize this. It's the transparent relationship. And we see that as maybe mentoring or discipling one-on-one -on -one or, or couple to couple. And that's where we can share candid and intimate details of our lives. And then, of course, there's the divine relationship where... It's you and your creator and redeemer directly discipling you. Take a look at your life and think through those five very key relationships. Are you missing any? Do you need to reprioritize what you do, who you're with, so that you can make sure that you are coming here publicly, meeting, gathering with the church, that you have social, extended uh, social time with disciples throughout your week, that you're in a personal small group where you can be uh, supported and challenged with a, a tighter small group, and then the transparent relationship ought to be your deepest relationship where you can be truly yourself and share your hurts and pains and struggles and be encouraged by that person. And then, of course, do you need to work on your relationship with God himself? Core value number three, generosity is our lifestyle. And Jesus said there is a cost to following him. 
In Luke 9, 57 through 62, Jesus is having a conversation with some of his disciples. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, and let me first say farewell to those of my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a little uncomfortable. But truly following Jesus is inconvenient, isn't it? especially when we live in a self-focused culture that we do. Living generously is certainly not easy, and that's why we need to encourage one another in this big God family that we call BCC. Church is not where we go. It is who we are. We are forever family. A few weeks ago, we talked about how Christians in the book of Acts, in that first century of church, they would not have understood the phrase going to church. This is a building, and right now we are spending one hour of our week here together, and this one hour should not and cannot define the church. We are the church, and being the church should be who we are every day. That's how it's going to be a part of our identity. And the church and acts prioritized and lived a lifestyle of meeting the needs of the church family. What the church needed, they prioritized above their own needs. They intentionally inconvenienced themselves and the world noticed. And the church then grew like crazy. Generosity is our lifestyle. Pastor Derek actually brought this message to us back in the fall. And he really challenged us when he said, generous living is bigger than writing a check. He said, that's the easy way out of feeling bad and easing your conscience. It's way too easy to think, I'll just write a check. Or I'll just hire someone. Just let someone else volunteer. I've served my time. It's someone else's problem. We don't get retirement as disciples in this, in this life. That's not a thing. Because God wants to use you with every second that, that he has given you here on this earth. Generosity is our lifestyle. Family sacrifices by intentionally inconveniencing themselves for the benefit of another to impact eternity, to influence the next generation. Now believe me when I say I am preaching into a mirror because I so desperately want my life to be defined as generous living, just as I want it to be a, a core value and, and true of you as well. I want to see the needs around us be met and all of us be willing to say yes to greater things because we are just one tiny piece of something so much greater than us. This congregation is supposed to be like a family, right? So and in, in, in our vision, we want to be a healthy, authentic, Christ-centered family. So let's break that down. Let's look at 
a healthy, authentic, Christ-centered, typical household? What's it look like in a household? Now, each one of you are in a household. You might be a spouse, you might be a parent, you might be a child. Either way, you've got some work to do because, first of all, you have a personal relationship with Christ to maintain. And you also have others in your household to encourage in their personal relationship with Christ. Spouses in a healthy, authentic, Christ-centered relationship share the workload to raise and protect and serve each other and the family. Children pitch in and do chores. They help with dinner. They clean up after themselves. Imagine that. We're talking about, thank you. Didn't even have to ask for an amen on that one. Healthy, authentic, Christ-centered families in a household. Wow, that's really cool. So let's take that and then transfer it to the big God family we call BCC. Shouldn't we also look that way? Everyone living generously with their time and abilities, caring more about the others than themselves. We oftentimes hear that about mom. Mom sacrifices, dad sacrifices. That's what we're supposed to do for one another in the church. And our church family has some needs right now, and they're, big, they're a big deal. They're big needs. Needs their opportunities to help people connect to Christ and to others. Opportunities for you to grow, for us to position ourselves to continue to grow and make a difference for the next generation so the church doesn't die with this generation here. The next generation needs you. Kids ministry, I've got a huge praise. Over the last several months, we've added dozens of kid ministry volunteers, and it is amazing. We've got the uh, second hour. Thank you. And some of you have been here for two hours already because you came early to help out with the 9 o'clock. Thank you so much. And we were able to help uh, get the uh, pre-K and kindergarten uh, uh, 1030 classroom open, which is amazing. And thank you so much. But there are also more needs because we, we are blessed to have so many young families in our church, keeping this fam uh, church family alive. Well, the kids come along with, and they need your help because it takes a village, remember. And so there are still more needs for the next generation to be raised up. Another praise, we were able to refinance our building loan, which uh, I'm sure you all are aware of. And we have some amazing staff and volunteers that, that dug deep and found opportunities and understood how we could better uh, uh, be stewards of our money. And we saved tens of thousands of dollars. And we're looking, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for using your gifts uh, of finance to, to understand how we can be good stewards. But... Life goes on and we still have bills to pay. So we need to continue to live generously. But speaking of, uh, you know, our, our finances, we are able to, uh, to move forward on phase one of our remodeling of the kids' room, which is fantastic. If you were a part of our church uh, before we started this project, we did a number on that 15-year-old room, okay? And uh, it could use a little uh, touching up uh, for our kids' ministry. So we're going to be able to start on that very soon. So there's opportunities to serve there uh, with your labor. Some of you are very, very gifted at ripping up carpet. So <laughs> you can help us with that. Um, so thank you so much. 
uh, connection groups. We've talked about relationships. We've talked about this for several weeks now. We've got a, a fantastic opportunity. And I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but uh, we're going to study the book of, of Mark coming up soon in two weeks. February 13th, we'll kick off that sermon series, and it's going to lead us into to Easter. What a great way to dive into the scriptures together. And if you're not in a group, I would love for you to take a look at our website and, and find open groups. But here's the problem, church. Most of our small groups are filling up really, really fast. So some of you have been feeling that little tap on the shoulder and hearing that whisper, hey, you, you know, you could, you could take this Francis Chan video curriculum and leave for 11 weeks and open up an opportunity for those who aren't yet in a group to find that ever so important personal relationship small group that we just talked about. Because remember, we prioritize relationships. This is who we are. But it's going to take all of us as individuals living generously because that should be our lifestyle. Let's take that core value, generosity as our lifestyle, and let's take this from something that we want to be known for to something that we are known for. It's going to take every single one of us saying yes to something that, yeah, it might inconvenience you. But think about the greater good. Think about the eternity at stake. Because I don't know about you, but I really am excited to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Core value number four, devotion is our identity. Now, we oftentimes answer the question, who are we, based on what we do or our position or our, our perceived authority. But the real question, though, isn't who we are, it's whose we are. We belong to Christ. We see this throughout the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that because of Christ, we are made new and we belong to him. Philippians 3.20, Paul tells us that we are citizens of heaven. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were chosen by God himself for a holy purpose. And it's easy to think I'm not good enough. Why would I want to, why would God want me to be a part of his team? Well, thankfully, we have a God that doesn't define your value based on what you do, rather on what he's done for you. Praise God for that. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Our devotion to Christ should be the core of who we are because of who we belong to. When you are devoted, your priorities align with God. When you are devoted, your foundation is strong. When you are devoted, you don't compromise your values. When you are devoted, God is enough for you. When you are devoted, your story can change. And speaking of change, we lead right into our core value number five. Transformation is our pursuit. Now, Pastor Taryn brought this core value to us back in the fall, and she explained how transformation is, is rather subjective, and it's difficult to pursue something that is arguably hard to measure. It's hard to see. 
Transformation is hard. You can't see it happening in the moment, so it's oftentimes hard to even see if it's happening, happening at all. And there are tests that we can kind of measure, but there's no official report, and so it is very subjective. So that's why uh, Pastor Taryn led us through Peter's transformation story. And if you remember, we, we saw Peter's transformation from a simple fisherman to a man who gives up his life, the life that he knew, to follow this new rabbi. And Peter's a bit rough around the edges at first and doesn't quite understand the big picture as he's following Jesus around for the three and a half years. He made some pretty bold statements, jumped out of the boat a couple of times out of excitement. But, but then in Acts, we really see this just amazing transformation from, from start to finish. We see him boldly preaching, a fisherman, an uneducated man boldly preaching. We see him healing people out of the power of the Holy Spirit. We see him making disciples, writing encouraging letters to the church. Wow, what a transformation. What produced that change? I love this little nugget in Acts 4.13. We read, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You heard that? He, He was with Jesus. Disciples pursue transformation. And let's define a disciple. If transformation is our pursuit as a disciple, then spending time with God is essential to our metamorphosis. And as a disciple, if transformation is our pursuit, then spending time with others and prioritizing relationships are not optional. If transformation is our pursuit, then we should desire to use our gifts so that everything we do will bring glory to God. And if transformation is our pursuit, then sharing our story helps us see our path and points others to God. Have you noticed that we can't have transformation, this fifth core value, without the other four core values? They're all interlinked together. <coughs> have you noticed that everything discussed today is living, is, was lived out in the Acts 2 passage that we read? And have you noticed that every core value has within it connect, grow, and serve? Scripture is our starting point. Scripture helps us connect and stay connected to God. Scripture points out growth areas and tells us how to grow. Scripture shows us how, who, and why we ought to be serving. Relationships are a priority. It's through our relationship with God that we remain connected and desire to help others connect to him. It's through our relationships that we grow closer to him and to others. It's through our relationships that we we serve and we want to keep serving. Generosity is our lifestyle. Living generously is inspired by our connection with God. Living generously is a huge way to be stretched that causes growth. Living generously with our time, gifts, and resources is how we ought to be serving. And devotion is our identity. It is through our devotion that keeps us connected to God. It's through our devotion that he fills us with the spirit through which we grow. And it's through our devotion to him that we desire to serve others. And transformation is our pursuit. 
as we connect with God, he transforms us. As we transform, we are growing. And as we transform, we desire to serve those around us so that they can also be transformed. This is all interconnected. We need to embrace our identity by living out our five core values. It doesn't have to be complex or difficult. It's quite simple, really. But simple doesn't always mean easy. The good news is that we have God and we have each other. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather as a church. We pray that we would continue to connect with you, to help others connect to the church and with you. We pray that we we would grow through the relationships that we have. And Father, if we uh, need to work on some areas uh, with the many relationships that we need, I pray that you would just bring that to our hearts right now. I pray that you would have in mind the, the very people that we need to meet today, tomorrow, and the next day so that we can help them grow and they can help us grow. Father, I pray that you would make it so clear as to how we ought to be serving, who we ought to be serving, when and where we ought to be serving. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to live in your presence, be your child, and be a part of this journey and your mission. In Jesus' name, amen.